In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a truly unique story. Each time I kick off a new wildfire writing workshop series, we go around the Zoom room and I invite each person to share with us their breast cancer stats, you know, age of diagnosis, type and stage of breast cancer. But I always urge the group to take me up on a challenge, which is to share a unique to them aspect of their breast cancer experience. Some people know it's unique to them right away. It could be a bizarre circumstance at their diagnosis or something else that happened along the way. For me, one of my unique-to-me aspects is the fact that my dad and I had overlapping cancer experiences when he was diagnosed with metastatic pancreatic cancer, almost two years to the day following my breast cancer diagnosis. Despite us each testing negative for genetic mutations, our stories became intertwined in a cancer story, and I will never see my own experience without that double-sided lens. Everyone has a unique-to-them story, but not everyone knows what it is until they start writing and peeling back the layers. My guest today has a very unique story, and I can't wait for you to hear it in her own words and voice. But real quick, before we get into the episode, I want to give a shout-out to the latest issue of Wildfire, which was just released this last weekend. It's our first-ever issue to showcase exclusively the stories of people diagnosed with breast cancer five or more years ago. When I set out to do this issue, I knew these were critically important stories to tell. And not only because seeing people living years following their diagnosis, be it early stage or a metastatic diagnosis, is so important for spreading hope. But even more importantly, I knew these were the people to share with us some really transformative stories. I urged each writer to dig deep and discover the truth of living years beyond their diagnosis. What did that teach them about living? and loving in the world. We hear a lot of stories in the media about cancer survivors and thrivers no longer taking life for granted or learning what really matters. Well, I didn't just want bumper sticker platitudes. I wanna know how, how did they learn these lessons? How do you no longer take life for granted? How do you discover what truly matters in life? Once I know how you learn those lessons, then I can learn them too. These are the stories that change our lives, and that's what you'll find in this brand new wildfire issue out now. Lucky issue number 41. Find it and subscribe at my website, wildfirecommunity.org. All right, back to today's guest. My guest fits everything I've been saying so far today. Unique breast cancer story, check. Five years out from the initial diagnosis, check. Digging deep for those life lessons, check, check, check. My guest today is Stephanie Millette. 
Stephanie was initially diagnosed at 25 with stage 3A hormone receptor positive breast cancer. Six years later, at 31, Stephanie's cancer was found to have metastasized. Nowadays, Stephanie is a former hairstylist turned advocate for advancedbreastcancer.net. They live a relatively quiet life with their family in the Pacific Northwest, where they enjoy the outdoors as well as board and video games. Last year, Stephanie married their wife in a sunrise service in Colorado. In fact, traveling is Stephanie's favorite thing to do. Recently, the Millette family completed a 10-week-long road trip of the western half of the United States. As a permanent resident of Cancerland, Stephanie likes to come to the table prepared and lead with as much knowledge as they can. Together with their oncologist, they find a treatment plan that works for living a travel-rich, semi-normal life, as well as kicking as much cancer ass as possible. Prior to writing their story for Wildfire, they had never publicly told their entire story. So thought, now was the time to do so. I love that. Hey, welcome to The Burn, Stephanie. Hi. So happy to be here. I loved that little intro. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Well, you're here reading a piece you wrote called My Life and Being Wrong. We published your piece this last fall in our 2022 Legacy Stories issue. This was an issue in which we showcase the stories of individuals living with metastatic breast cancer and what legacy means to them. So Stephanie, after you read, we'll chat. Those of you listening, stay tuned to the very end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. All right, Stephanie, I'll let you take it away. Okay. Awesome. In the very early hours of July 7th in the year 2016, I woke up to a serious stomach cramp. I honestly thought I had to go to the bathroom and that would fix my problems so I could go back to sleep. How very wrong I was. Earlier that year and the year previous, I had been going through treatment for stage 3A breast cancer. I was diagnosed at the ripe age of 25, did some quick getting my shit together, and started treatment shortly after turning 26. Up until that morning on July 7th, I had been through six months of intense chemo, a modified radical mastectomy on the left side, and I was just mapped for radiation. I had my first round of sad radiation the previous day and was feeling pretty crummy for the entire day. I definitely found out why later that morning. My stomach ache did not go away. In fact, I returned to my bedroom, doubled over in pain. I woke up my partner at the time and told him that something was very wrong. I needed to do something about it. He offered calling an ambulance, but at the time we lived in the absolute middle of nowhere. The time it would take an ambulance to get to our house would be precious minutes indeed. I told him I needed to drive myself out to the closest hospital, and after some time, he decided on following me in his truck. While I was checking in, I offered up that I had PCOS, and it was very probable that a cyst had ruptured on my ovaries. Given the severity of pain and where it was all happening, this was highly likely. I got settled into a bed and room, and they started working on getting me payment. My partner left for work, and I was in the hospital room waiting for everything to get going. I had done all the normal things for check-in, like get into the gown, get the vitals, and pee in a cup. I was still in excruciating pain when the doctor came in to ask a few questions. Are you sexually active? Uh, Yes, I am. Why? Have you been tested for pregnancy before? No, but I'm on the shot and going through cancer treatment right now. She left the room and very quickly came back with a beeping machine and two nurses. You're going to need to call your boyfriend back. You are in active labor. The world fell out from beneath my feet. It did not make sense. Nothing made sense. Not only was I on a form of birth control, the monthly shot, 
I was on hormone suppressant medication. I did the red double chemo and I had surgery. How did this happen? How did this get past everyone that was watching me so closely for the past 10 months? Things happened very quickly from this point on because I was already dilating and having closer together contractions. They had to transfer me to a hospital with labor and delivery, and they had to transfer me fast. I got into the back of an ambulance and I was rushed to a different hospital. I tried calling my partner, but not only did he not believe me for a single second that this was happening, he hung up on me. He also insisted he needed to stay at work. So there I was, being wheeled in on a stretcher and being told I was about to have a baby. I remember thinking to myself, wow, I really need to call my oncologist and cancel my appointments. There were so many people asking me questions and I didn't know any of the answers. How far along I was, am I diabetic? What is my blood type? I had no idea about any of these things because I never had to question it before. At the end of that morning, after a million more questions and an emergency C-section, there was a baby girl sleeping soundly in the nursery of the hospital with the last name Miller on her wristband. Four years and some months after that, I was sitting in the doctor's office with my daughter, awaiting the results of an MRI I had just had. I did not think that anything was amiss, and I had chatted up to a repetitive stress injury for working as a hairstylist. How very wrong I was, once again. I was always afraid of becoming metastatic. I had a feeling it would come back one day. I just was hoping I would have a little more time before it did. I was hoping to retire from my career on my own terms and grow old in the house I had just bought. Instead, I was let go from my job, my salon home for the past four years, and had to stage and sell the house I loved. Almost two years ago, I was given a choice. I could either let it consume me, turn the other way, and not seek out medical care. My other option was staring my mortality in the eyes and moving forward. The day I had my meeting with my oncologist to discuss where to go from here, she told me something that has always stuck with me. You are a strong, robust person. I believe you can get through this. I stand here now, stable, after enduring one year of serious hell. I had my ovaries removed and continue to be on hormone therapy. I am on oral chemo and a quarterly infusion. I am monitored so closely that nothing flies under the radar anymore. I track my blood work, my pain levels, and my energy levels. I also stand here now, married to the most amazing and incredible woman, raising a super cool miracle kid, and going on every adventure possible for as long as I am able. We know the storm is coming again, and we are ready for it. We can no longer live in fear like I used to because it is all-consuming. Instead of just surviving scan day to scan day, I live my life the loudest way I can. I will fight like hell to be here for the milestones and to show my kid that her mom is a warrior through and through. Thank you, Stephanie. That was gorgeous yeah. storytelling. I, lo I love your story oh. so much. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's take a little break here and we'll hear a testimonial. And when we come back, we will get into it. Hi, friends. There is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep 
and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone. You will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hi, my name is Kiara, and I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer at the age of 27 in the year 2020. I attended a wildfire writing workshop recently, and it was a really incredible experience. I've been a wildfire subscriber for a while, and reading the magazine is always a really powerful experience, but I was also struggling with having those kind of daily cancer thoughts. And I really needed an outlet, you know, whenever I would talk to other people about them, either they didn't understand or I felt like a burden dumping too much on those who could understand. Um, so I joined the writing workshop and immediately after joining, I knew it was one of the best decisions I made in my cancer experience. It gave me an outlet for those thoughts, a way to process them without feeling misunderstood or like a burden and just a whole supportive group of women that I never would have met otherwise. I'm so grateful to April and to the whole Wildfire team for providing this amazing space for us. Thank you so much for the love, Kiara. Love that. Thank you. All right, Stephanie, I'm going to turn my attention back to you. Thank you again for your powerful writing and storytelling this morning. Of course. Thank you for giving me the platform to do so. Yes. Well, I want to, um, I've got so many questions for you. So let's begin with... (laughs) That's you know, usually how it starts. <laughs> right. Okay. All the questions. So yeah. when I introduced you and um and shared your your bio, you know, you said that you hadn't really shared your story in its entirety before writing it for Wildfire. And since writing mm-hmm. your story, um, you know, I've invited you to share it a couple of times. It's obviously out in the world. I wonder if you could Talk a little bit about this decision to to start being more vocal with your story and how that's been for you. Um, I think it's really important because it's not like a a normal story, you know. And I feel like if somebody out there like hears it and takes a little bit away from it, like that serves them, I feel like I've done my duty in telling it. And I've also just like been really trying to be more vocal with my advocacy and I think starting to share more of like your story and where you came from and how you like advocate for yourself today is really important. Yes. Well, I I love that you just said that because I think that one of the maybe overlooked ingredients to advocacy is our own stories and how powerful that that connection to another human being is through our own story. You know, that's where the empathy starts to build. That's where they can see why we're passionate about it. It almost, it's almost really hard, I think, to to be an advocate without using your own story. So were you trying to be an advocate before telling your story or is this all kind of happening together? It's kind of happening together. I started advocating uh over the summer when we got back from our trip um and i just like i dove right in i just went for it honestly and then i went um like a few months before i actually took one of your classes and uh i was like 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to submit my story. I think I'm going to write it. And I like sat down with my iPad for like two weeks straight and just like type, 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 and like edited and just like went for it. And my wife read it and she like sobbed. And she was like, you have to submit it. So it was like a a really cool chain of events. And now I feel like I'm really uh, stepping up into my advocacy by this and like attending more uh, like events and like things like that. So it's been a nice little jumping off point. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'm so glad. And to know that you have or you have family support behind you in terms of telling those stories, I think is really it's not necessary necessarily, but I think it yeah. really, really helps, right? Oh, yeah. 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 My wife has been, she's been my biggest cheerleader and she has been pushing me to do this for a long time. She's so proud of me. I have the magazine in my backpack at all times and she'll just like pull it out and be like, she was published in a magazine and like have everybody read it and just be like, I know, that's incredible. <laughs> I love that. I love that. She's like, please, I need you to see my Stephanie the way I see Stephanie. Like, here it yes, is. Yes, exactly. Uh, she did it with my grandma at the Christmas party the other day. It was so cute. <laughs> I love that. So mm-hmm. was there a reason you weren't being so visible in your story before now? Uh, I think the first time I got diagnosed, I was a lot more private and I didn't I wasn't interested in like having a voice in the community or necessarily being in the community. And I think after starting like advocating and then the summer, I also went to a uh, like a breast cancer walk for the first time. And I it was great. But I like looked around and I was like, there's not a lot of people that like look like me and there's not a lot of people that sound like me. So I think that being more visible will like help that because I really I'm very passionate about uh queerness and like cancer care because I definitely feel really Mm -hmm. uh singled out in the clinic sometimes and so I don't know getting it all out there just feels really good (laughs) yes well and it's interesting what you just said about looking around and not seeing others who really feel you know familiar or look like they maybe are representing your story and that's that's a crossroads right like at that point we can either continue to just live in the shadows and feel other or we can share our stories and kind of like become the flame that the moth comes to have you found others coming to you through through your storytelling um kind of i mean i'm like i'm trying to be like a micro influencer on instagram So (laughs) being more like open and telling your story and I think being more like vulnerable in a sense and transparent and like just like having that voice and finding my footing has really helped. Uh, Yeah, I think like some people have like been a little drawn to it, which is nice. And I I really hope that more more people will Mm -hmm. come to it. Come to the flame. (laughs) Come to the flame. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I'm thinking back in your story, you know, you were talking about how maybe one of the things that you've kind of learned through both a surprise pregnancy and childbirth and then, you know, surprise, here's cancer again, is you have learned that the storm is maybe, I don't want to say always, but, you know, there there are storms on the horizon. And yes, we we don't necessarily 
live as well when we live in denial or we live with fear kind of driving the ship. And it sounds like that's been a little bit of a uh, a turning point for you in terms of telling your story too, like setting aside fear and deciding to live out loud, deciding to, you know, embrace the richness of life. Can can you talk a little bit about that example that you're setting for your daughter? Oh, yeah. Um, that's really interesting because, yeah, I actually have been a lot more vocal with her as well, um, especially this past year. So she's always like, what are you doing on your phone? And what are you doing on Zoom? And what are you doing? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I help these people that also are like me. And like, I've been like more open, like talking to her about the clinic and like, um, she hasn't been yet in like her, her years that where she can like remember it. Um, so that is a little touchy, but I am a lot more vocal with her and like showing her like, she's just the coolest kid. She's so cool. She picks up on what we do and just like amplifies it. Cause we try to like lead with kindness and we always try to have like you know, bring more kindness and light to the world because it's so, you know, it's dark out there. And I think it's important for her to see me in like a more, more like sure myself role. Cause then I hope that like, not to get like dark or anything, but like with the inevitable loss, I hope that she can like kind of carry the torch also and be there in a way for maybe like her community, like kids that have parents that have cancer, you know? Hmm. Oh, absolutely. How old is she now? Uh, she's six, six and a half, actually. Okay. Yeah. And so, is is your um your breast cancer, your metastatic breast cancer, is that you know common discussion in your house, or how how much would you say it comes up? How much is it? Is it just part of the fabric of of your living? Mm-hmm. It comes up more now. She's definitely more curious. She, we haven't had like a, like a talk kind of, but she's talked to my wife a little bit about it. And then I found out about like Bright Spot, uh, the Bright Spot Network and how they help kids and send books and like art stuff. So I'm getting her like more involved that way. Um, I don't think she understands like what metastatic means quite yet. And I'm not sure we're quite there yet. But I think like, Hopefully with some support, we'll get there because we're actually we're moving uh, out of state. And so she's going to be more involved, I think, in like the clinic days. (laughs) All right. Yeah. My daughter was was really young when I was diagnosed as Mm -hmm. well. And I know that challenge of wanting to be very open with them because, you know, kids know when something's going on in the family and and they're aware when when there's anxieties and worries and things and it only amplifies it more if we try to hide it from them or not talk to them about it but the challenge is that age appropriateness and and how to do it and I'm so glad you found resources like Bright Spot Network they are incredible yes i know i had no idea and then i went to their website and i was like oh my god i could get books and i got the first one and she's actually on the spectrum and it says that it's like uh it's made easy to understand for kids like all across the spectrum. And I thought that was really cute and inclusive. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. And there's um, 
you know, there's a few other resources. If you haven't found Mighty and Bright yet, uh, Sarah Olsher also had breast cancer and, and writes books to help kids understand big, big family changes, not just cancer, but but lots of family changes. And mm-hmm. um, and down the road, there's also Camp Chasm that is for kids who have parents um, with cancer also so they can meet each other, too, and, and oh, be in a place so where... Yeah, they don't have to talk about cancer, but if they need to or they want to or just someone gets their where they're coming from, you know, what that foundation is like. So, yeah, that's big, so... big appreciation, you know, for the people helping our kiddos. Oh, my gosh, for real. Yeah, because, yeah, when I obviously like I was finishing on my cancer treatment when she was a baby, so she had no idea. And then when I got re-diagnosed, she was like four or so. And she kind of picked up on it. I was like yapping a little more and I couldn't use my arm and I couldn't pick her up and like stuff like that. So she like kind of picked up on it. And now that we're like a little bit more out and it's not as like scary and intense, like it's still scary and intense, but it's not like so scary and intense. She uh, she's like picking up on it a little bit more. She's a little bit more comfortable with it. So I think we'll just kind of we always we always say we'll follow Maddie's lead. So that's probably what we'll do. <laughs> there you go. I love that. Mm-hmm. So what is on the horizon for you? I understand that you, you know, your advocacy is heating up. You're doing more writing with advancedbreastcancer.net. You're sharing your story on Instagram. I think I may have heard that you have a book in you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh my God. Okay. Yes. I I've always wanted to write a book. And I don't know how to start (laughs) but uh my wife asked me the other day we always like do like a little uh like a wrap up like our favorite memories and did we accomplish our goals of the year and stuff like that and she was like okay what's your big goal for 2023 and just immediately was like i'm gonna write a book (laughs) i don't know what it's gonna be about but i was really inspired by um the maid on netflix I don't mm-hmm. know if you had seen it or heard of it, but uh, yes. I was watching that. Oh, that hurt so bad because that that felt like me and my ex for sure. Like it was mm. very, very close to home. And I was really inspired by that story. So I want to try and like, like take like a little, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and see where it takes me. I don't know. I love that. Yes. I am a big fan of Stephanie Land, um, the author mm-hmm. of, of the story behind Made. And I think that First of all, I'm so thrilled to hear that you are, you know, making that goal to write a book. I should say that we're recording this um, just before Christmas. And um, so people listening to this in in February, March-ish, when we put it out, are like, why are you guys talking mm-hmm. so much about like, <laughs> year ahead stuff? <laughs> um, but we're in that retrospective time, right, of the year where we are thinking about mm-hmm. like, what did this year look like? What's on the horizon? And to anyone who is thinking this is the year to write a book, I just want to say yes, yes, yes. And I think you just have to start small. Like I really, really recommend starting tiny, like pick one scene, one character, one moment, and just focus on writing that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of slide over and you write the next one. It doesn't have to all come together right away. It's just about starting to build out those moments and those scenes that that were important, you know, that really changed changed the game. So, Stephanie, I really am excited for you, and I can't wait to see what what comes of this goal for you. 
oh, I hope that happens. That's actually really good advice because it is really overwhelming. Every time I think about it, I'm like, ah, because I don't know. I've, I've had a lot happen to me. So it's hard to pick like one, one part. But it's nice. Like, yeah. I hopefully I can like put the microscope on it that way. Mm-hmm. I think, I think mm-hmm. for me, it's been really helpful in every part, everything I write, but also, you know, the advocacy I do here at Wildfire and elsewhere. Like, if we try to look at the big project in its entirety, it does become really overwhelming and it's almost impossible to start. You know, it just, uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it's like a deer in the headlights, you know, you just can't. But if you just, you yeah. know, are like, okay, I'm just going to, going to put this foot right in front of this foot. We'll take one step, you know, today. And then the the thing is, though, the real like truth of it is, is it's harder to stop that momentum once you do start small and you keep going. Then it's like, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. So let me just take this other step and I'll write this other scene, too, or I'll fill in this character a little bit. It's kind of like coloring a picture, you know, and it starts to build and and come together. But it's it's that beginning step that sometimes is the hardest um, and you need that little nudge. So here I'm nudging you that you're going to write it for sure. <laughs> that was so well said, like a little painting a picture. I liked that. Taking like a Thank little part you. of the time and just like working on like, yeah, that was really nice. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for being here with me today. I want to ask you where people can find you online or follow along as you as you advocate and tell your stories. Um, I am found mostly on Instagram. My handle is the Radiated Blizzard. Uh, you'll definitely be able to figure out which one is me. And uh, I advocate on advancedbreastcancer.net, advanced like you were saying. And yeah, that's where I'm at. You just search my name in the little search bar and you'll be able to find me. Perfect. Well, we'll also be linking to you in our show notes today. So thank you again for coming on and for reading your story. Your piece again was called My Life and Being Wrong from our 2022 October-November NBC issue, which was on Legacy Stories. Thank you again, Stephanie. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our rich 40-plus issues in the Wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There is no place on the planet like a Wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, tell your best friend, tell your mom, tell your oncologist. I mean, really, tell everyone you know. Or head into your podcast app and leave us a starred review to help others find their way to writing the stories that need to be told. I would be forever grateful. All right, here is your writing prompt. You're going to set your timer for eight minutes. You're going to write without stopping or editing yourself. The prompt is, I am blank years old, which is much too young to know the truth about. 
I'm blank years old, which is much too young to know the truth about. Set your timer again for eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. Do you find you write best with a good prompt? There are more prompts available to you in the free journal companion to this podcast. Head over to wildfirecommunity.org slash the burn to get yours. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.